cool. So we've finally have arrived to episode three of Vague Zone. It took a minute. I know. And episode one is basically lost. Yeah. So it's 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 somewhere out there in the ether. And and episode two, I called it the wrong title. It's all right. So this is our we're finally getting things kind of straightened out. Yeah. Get it figured out. So yeah, I am Thomas, one of your hosts. Welcome to episode Hi. three. With me always is Daniel, the other host. And what are we talking about this week, Daniel? Uh, we are talking about The Purge from 2013. Um, so quick synopsis from IMDb. Um, a wealthy family is held hostage for harboring the target of a murderous syndicate during The Purge, a 12-hour period in which any and all crime is legal. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, brief, uh, spoiler-free... What was your reaction to The Purge? Well, when I first saw it, uh, I was really into it. I definitely like the scale of this movie and how small it is compared to the movies that followed. I don't want to compare it much to the, those ones because it is its own thing in my mind. I, and I've not seen those yet, so yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, here. and I'm not I'm not going to drop any spoilers, of course. But, <laughs> but yeah, I really really enjoyed this movie the first time i saw it i like the concept a lot the concept is really thought-provoking um the movie kind of deals with a particular type of crime and a particular type of violence on this one night Mm -hmm. but the idea of like 12 hours of lawlessness and it's like a government uh it's a government sanctioned thing and like it's something that the entire nation goes through is really interesting and you said yeah it's really cool to kind of join this really twilight zone kind of world where there's just a, a massive lockdown and a like a, a ritual kind of happens and people get violent yeah uh i i enjoyed this i i feel pretty conflicted about it um i definitely enjoyed it way more than i thought i would it's just it feels kind of just like a a totally functional home invasion movie yeah um but there's just so much to unpack regarding like the politics of this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So, so not a spoiler, but like one of the first things that you see in this movie is it has sort of like an opening crawl um, that says unemployment is down to one percent, crime is at an all-time low, and violence barely exists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like one of the first things I was thinking in regards to the purge is like what effect does the purge have on unemployment like why would unemployment and like the availability of jobs uh why would that be affected by uh, 12 hours of lawlessness once a year right yeah yeah um so yeah i think we're probably gonna get into that <laughs> um yeah definitely yeah yeah there's uh, yeah, the intro, the introduction is like one of my favorite parts because it we get like a little bit of what the purge is over the course of like a couple of introductions. Like that opening crawl is like a little bit of a hint, and then we get like some montage footage of just like people getting like executed in alleyways and like lined up on the ground, and like it's spliced with actual footage. I assume it's like actual footage of violence kind of happening, and so we get like this weird kind of 
back and forth of like, okay, like there's a lot of kind of violence that's inherent to like the human condition. And so we're playing with these ideas a little bit, but then they, they hit us with, yeah, like everything is great. Like the purge is actually making everything better. We don't really yeah. like sink its teeth, not, not with uh, this particular movie, do they sink into why that's actually happening, but yeah, okay. it kind of just gets into this whole like rich versus poor thing. And so they le- le- leave us to our, I'm at, uh, we're led uh it's up to our imaginations. Uh, gotta edit, edit that out. Yeah, it's up to our imaginations. <laughs> it's up to our imaginations to kind of put it together a little bit of how like the white collar side is prospering so much, and so yeah, that's why we get to hang out with James and his family, and they're like war profiteers, basically selling the security systems to. <laughs> that so, is interesting. A, I didn't think of it as war profiteering. That's that's totally how I felt interpreted. Because like yeah, like they're just sitting in this massive like house and like yeah, like you guys made so much more money. This well, I guess kind of getting into some more details, but yeah, he has this great news. Like he's coming home from work and he's so happy. That, like they found out that he, like his team sold the most security systems and like they had a whole new addition on their house because they're making so much money. It's like there's even a line that I was totally laughing at when he's like yeah like we weren't able to like afford rent like not too long ago now we're like gonna buy a boat and this boat even has like really? a, a garage in it and i was just like this is absolutely absurd like i didn't have, even notice that yeah they just have like so much money and so yeah it's kind of sickly appropriate that like their house is the target of this like this weird little cat and mouse game yeah uh so yeah i'm wondering how much we could talk about before it's considered spoiler territory for sure but, um but yeah, like pretty early on in the movie, and I think this is one of the things that, like, I f- for the most part like this movie. Like, it's just kind of a parable the way like Snowpiercer is. We're not supposed to really dissect the ins and outs of how this game functions. We're it's just an examination of how humans react to this this death game, this a- scenario that absolutely. they're put into. Yeah, yeah. So like one of the things that happens early on in this movie is uh, Lena Headey's character. Is it Hetty? I think Hedy? so. Her character, Mary, the mom uh, of this upper-class family, um, she's watching TV, and there's this... I think it's a behavioral psychologist who's on the television, and he's saying that people are inherently violent. We're an inherently violent species. And he says something along the lines of, like, war, genocide. The problem is that we're suppressing our true nature. Yeah. And so, okay... So there's a lot to talk about right here Uh, because it feels like what this movie is positing is that, you know, people are inherently violent uh, and that all it, the only thing preventing us from being killing machines is the law and the potential for prosecution. Um, so and there's, like, part of me is thinking, like, okay, well, it's a behavioral psychologist or psychiatrist, yeah, psychologist on television who's saying this stuff. And the movie doesn't really go into this, but, like, there's a long history of, like, science being used to justify awful behavior. Like, um, totally. something I was thinking about while watching this is, like, uh, I think his name's J. Marion Sims. He's the father of uh, modern gynecology. Yeah. Uh, first off. The fact that he's the quote-unquote father of modern gynecology, that should be a red flag right A lot there. to unpack there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but, like, he is someone who, uh, he experimented on black women without anesthesia, yeah, and he justified it, it, he justified it by saying that 
black people don't feel pain the same way that other people do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, and there was just recently a study of medical students who, uh, you know, an alarming number of the white medical students believed that black people didn't experience pain the same way. So this, this, uh, thing that this guy, this, this belief that this guy put out there to justify his horrible behavior, uh, we're still experiencing the ramifications of it. Totally. And so this, this movie, it's pretty early on. It's starting with this behavioral psychologist saying that like people are inherently violent. They need to do this to avoid war and genocide. Uh, like the, the movie is presenting that as if this is a truth. It's not really, it, I didn't get the sense that it was presenting it as like, look how evil this fucking scientist is that he's, you know, yeah, no, this is his way of dealing with cognitive dissonance. You know? Yeah, absolutely. In this universe, like this is absolutely the best solution to this, a very real problem. Like they're, 100% convinced like yeah like humans are just like these war torn and like we're going to always land into this inevitability of like war and genocide and the purge is literally the only saving grace which brings up a lot of questions because it's stated as like an American tradition or an American thing yeah. so I'm just curious how this relates to like other countries and like yeah I don't want to get too deep into the spoilers I have a lot of notes about the, the how the rules play out in the nitty gritty so I don't think it's a spoiler necessarily, but does it? Do we do we get an idea of like what's happening around the world in the later movies? Not really. It kind okay. of it, things dissolve into like action on the ground type of movies where people are just trying to simply survive the night and they Okay. So yeah, it's it's less about the political like there's revolutions and all that kind of things happening, but Yeah, I'm this, really interested to see how this <laughs> I'm I really want to see the rest of these movies. Yeah, yeah, it's it's trippy because they kind of just go off the rails for some people. I think, yeah, it's pretty consistent with what they're setting up in this movie. Like, they're action movies. Like, it's more horror, and this is a little bit more uh, the the headier version. But yeah. in all, as they're they're action movies because so, they're Blumhouse, and like yeah. Blumhouse mostly does horror. So yeah, and like I, you could totally see the, I mean this. So this premise, it's a huge fucking premise. Like the idea that like there's state-sanctioned violence in the form of yeah. 12 hours of lawlessness. And then we're getting like, rid of all these non-contributing members of society. And it's, yeah. yeah, there's so much potential for the different stories that could be told within that premise. And so it's really interesting that this movie is just like, you know what, we're just going to have to be about one house. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it's, uh, it's oddly appropriate because, like I said, it's kind of about like this war profiteering kind of family that like, they're so perfect and it all just crumbles down because of this very interesting kind of cat and mouse racial game going on between this one guy running away from this group of purgers that's just like just very determined to, to capture him and kill him yeah and so yeah uh, so yeah i think i think with that we're probably going to start getting into spoiler territory so yeah. heads up to the listeners yeah totally <laughs> yeah yeah i can't help but spoil it because i've seen it a number of times inside so just like but i think that's this like this, this is all kind of first this is all kind of first act stuff it's like yeah yeah you know this is what the purge is we're dealing with one family the father sells security systems yeah uh, and then the, the night of the purge uh a desperate man a desperate homeless black man um yeah. is looking for safety 
and the son lets that man into the home. Yeah. And then what happens for the rest of the movie? So now we're going into spoiler territory. Okay, so the kid, Charlie, lets in the guy, he lets him inside, and basically we get this really interesting dynamic when, like, the family is, like, terrified as fuck. They want this guy out of here. But there's also, like, the boyfriend there who's... <laughs> he's That he's, plot line is stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it kind of comes and goes really fast. So it's, like, I'm not, like, super, super crazy about it. But, yeah, it's just, a, like, a way to kind of spark the violence in another way. They really want this other guy to be as innocent as possible or at least, like, to have it be like not as clear clean cut because yeah like there's a lot of like chaos clearly happening like when the doors first shut like the kid is like watching the videos and all the frames on the like the security cameras are empty there's like no one out there but then Mm -hmm. we get like a few scenes later there's like gunshots and there's like a couple of shots of just like these empty quiet houses and there's just like distant gunshots and then yeah, the guy runs in a frame, and he's just like, please, someone. He's, like, begging for help, begging for someone to let him in. And so, yeah, he lets him in, and then, like, yeah, the dad kind of freaks out. Well, and- okay, before we continue, le- okay, so one of the things this movie does is it's sort of like Battle Royale, where it's like you kind of have to put yourself in the shoes of the people existing within this movie and being like, what would I do d- during Battle Royale? What would I do during The Purge? Yeah. Like... If you have if you have a fortress <laughs> and someone comes running up saying you got to help me you got to let me in would yeah. you let that person in <laughs> Yeah it's, yeah it proposes a really interesting question yeah and it definitely is like a sympathetic one because yeah the kid is just like he's into it he's like yeah like I want to save this guy I want to be on the side of good and ultimately like I feel like the family wants to do good and believes that they're doing good but then they sort of push themselves to these really extreme uh, measures, almost like damn near torturing him at one point. I don't want to get too far ahead, but yeah, they do let no, him no. in. <laughs> yeah, 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 like kind of like a little like a sloppy gunfight kind of ensues with the boyfriend who's there to just like, I guess, prove to the dad that he's <laughs> he's there to kill the dad, but he's like, yeah, like I'm I want to be with you and he's not going to get in the way of that. And it, a lot of information kind of gets dumped on us very fast that like we find out that he's older the relationship is a little taboo and that he's there yeah. to like kill him and so I'm, it's yeah. yeah it's a weird thing where it's like plot the a plot is like this this homeless black veteran get is looking for help and he comes inside the help and he comes inside the house because the son is willing to help him yeah the b plot is that this uh the daughter's boyfriend who's older than her probably a statutory rape thing going on here yeah uh he he has stayed inside the house after the purge has started yeah he's yeah, uh, basically just stayed inside which is like come on like for well, the whole time i was thinking like wait a minute how is this guy still in the house like wouldn't this guy's security system which he prides himself on like prevent this like because because earlier we we are under the impression that he has left yeah. like um the daughter and him are making out and the dad comes home and she tells him to leave and yeah. we're kind of under the impression that he did um so either he just didn't leave and that's why he's able to you know as uh yeah, get he, he's get somewhere security he's somewhere in that mansion honestly <laughs> yeah he must just be hiding inside um 
But anyways, yes, this is the B plot, and I don't even like. Is he even a B plot? Because he gets off so quickly. Like, I mean, even... it's like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's, it's like, like a... a spark. It's just like a small, a small, <laughs> yeah. a very small incident. I feel like. Yeah, you could totally cut this plot out of the movie because it feels like it's not really touching on anything else that this movie's about. Not really. Yeah, it's yeah. The boyfriend doesn't really serve that much. The basically, he's there. He like he has like a, a nice little moment when he's like climbing out of the window and he looks over into the neighbor's yard and the neighbor's like sharpening a machete and so there's like mm, that yeah. cool like little moment but besides that like it's yeah he's he's kind of off quickly and that's why I'm like okay with like it being just so quick because it's more about this group of like really rich like college kids or something chasing this guy and then also like the neighbors also kind of having their little thing which i wish was kind of brought brought up a little bit earlier because i absolutely love the idea of like (laughs) like these outside persians getting interrupted like no it's like a not in my backyard kind of vibe where it's like you know the neighbors are here to like exact the revenge because they've been sitting there like actually stewing in like some envy and are actually like holding some like negative thoughts against the people they live again live next door to. so yeah so yeah well we have to yeah so the reason this this black homeless veteran is running is because he's being hunted down by a group of I think they introduce themselves as like, do they introduce themselves as like highly educated or something like that? Yeah, or? they just say like, yeah, we're very educated, respectable, blah blah blah, something like that, and that's yeah. the only explanation. I just call them college kids. It honestly. looks like a bunch of like, yeah, like white Ivy Leaguers. Yeah, it looks uh, like a, like a frat or something along those. No, lines. no, they're not. They're not trash enough to be a frat. These are like this kid. He's basically wearing the same outfit that uh, Max is wearing in Rushmore. I guess but, fr- uh, frat's the wrong word. For it. I was thinking more like <laughs> yeah. skull and bones. You know what I mean? Like oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely more of a Skull and Bones, uh, George Bush, Al Gore <laughs> vibe. Like, Young Republicans vibe. Like, like just to the worst, worst, worst extreme. <laughs> um, yeah, so this 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 black homeless veteran <laughs> is, uh, man, <laughs> is, yeah. that is who he's running from. Uh, and these Ivy Leaguers is what I'm going to call them. Yeah. Uh, they come to the door and they say, they tell the family, if you don't surrender this man, he is ours to kill. He is, he's a homeless man who is, uh, you know, he, we're trying to erase the, the lesser parts of society, basically. Yeah, they call him um, a pig and swine and everything. Like, yeah. Yeah, the language is really, yeah, it's like very delicate in that way. Where it doesn't get like racial, but they're just like, he's scum, he's a pig. Like, they just like, they consider him fucking nothing, essentially. Yeah. And so they say, like, if you don't surrender this man to us within a certain amount of time, then we will come in and we will kill him and we will kill all of you. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the rest of the movie is it is Ethan Hawke. It is his family trying to find this man to put him down, I guess, or like surrender him to the people outside. Yeah. Like there, there's a fucking insane scene where... They finally catch this guy because he's been, you know, roaming around the house. Um, the son has been like eating him. He has like a little robot on a, on a little car that he drives around. He kind of helps this man find uh, a hiding spot. But yeah, you know, the family eventually finds him. Uh, they, they disarm him. Uh, they get him down. They end up taping him to a chair. And he has a he has a large wound on his stomach, and this was an in, 
insane to me. Uh, Ethan Hawke tells Mar- Mary, Lena Headey's character, uh, he says, like, push on his wound? He <laughs> says, like, get... Get the the letter get the, opener. The letter opener. This little fl- blade, and he says, "Push on his wound," and we see it. She does it. <laughs> we see yeah. it. Um, this is all while like the the youngest son is like holding a flashlight on him. Like, yeah, so, that like, is like, a, he... yeah. That was a very special moment that that son is just standing there with a flashlight the whole time. Yeah, and then it gets to the point where he's like begging them, like the dad to like stop. And then like he, you also get a shot of the daughter who's also kind of like kind of conscious, kind of like lucid, like in like a single tear like goes down, and it's just like yeah, yeah she got like, like knocked out during an altercation earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like he well the guy holds her hostage because they in, they end up in the same hiding place, and so that's where we get yeah. like this really that's where this whole hostage situation kind of escalates. And then, yeah, in the struggle, he throws her against the wall, basically, yeah. And then he gets shot, or, like, I guess grazed, and, yeah, then, yeah, they start, like, torturing him, and then they start to question morality, yeah, or, like... Wait a minute, maybe this is a bad thing. Like, maybe you were fucking monsters in this moment. And it's interesting that, like... So the movie never explicitly states that this man is a veteran, but he's wearing dog tags. Yeah. And I feel like the way the dog tags are highlighted is never... We never get a close-up on the dog tags, or we never get, like, any sort of um, shot of the characters realizing, like, oh, that's who this man is. It's just, he's wearing dog tags, and in the scene where they're taping him to a chair, it's interesting, because even though he's taped to the chair, the dog tags are, like, outside of any sort of restraints and they're sort of like glimmering in the light yeah like the, it, well the blocking happens like he's on the chair first and like they're taping him and then he like l- like lunges off and like it makes an attempt to escape and then they have to like kind of up the up the ante a little bit and then that's when the whole uh letter opener thing comes into play and then when they're struggling to get him back again like it gets it shakes out of his shirt at that point yeah and so to me, that's interesting because it's like, okay, so we've learned that 1% of society is unemployed. 1% of the population. Um, so this man, he's a homeless man, but he's a veteran. Uh, so who are, yeah, what is the makeup of this 1% of unemployed people? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah, like, because everything kind of seems more or less normal this is kind of in the territory of other movies but for the for this movie it's, it feels like this one percent is kind of i don't know just a part of the regular population i feel like that's yeah that's that's kind of glazed over <laughs> because it's interesting that like this is it feels like it we kind of get the vibe that the unemployed, the people who have less access to resources. If you're poor, you don't have access to uh, a fortress. You don't have access to security. You don't have access to weapons, probably. Yeah, well, that's um, that's another thing. They say that there's only class four or lower weapons allowed, but there's no like explanation of like yeah. what's in that class. And there's also, I wrote down, I was like, if there's no emergency responses, if there's no police, like who's gonna be enforcing that? Like, where, like is there like a, a diagram that says, That's okay, true. like if you have like, you know, an automatic weapon, is that like against the rules? Like my man has a massive shotgun in, that, in this movie. And so yeah. I was just like, there, yeah, that rule is kind of just, I mean, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming weapons that are over the line are, like, certain types of explosives. Like, you can't, like, level a building uh, just because yeah, it's Yeah, I guess so. Night. Yeah, it's more, <laughs> it's more just, like, bring out the blades type of vibe. 
Yeah, like people are mostly running around with like machetes, knives, and shotguns. Uh, there are some like, uh, you know, semi-automatic rifles. I don't know if we there was any fully automatic rifles, but no, I don't um, remember any of that. Well, I know I know there is a guy who has uh, at least a semi-automatic rifle because when Ethan Hawke kills him, I'm like, why the fuck didn't you grab that rifle? <laughs> like, yeah, this all it happens in movies all the time. Like, if you kill the person, take the weapon. So yeah. at very at the very least, so that other bad guys don't take the weapon. Like. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually like not super crazy about the fight that happens at the end. Like, I love all of like the smaller moments of this movie a lot. Like, even when they're like sitting quietly at the table, and she's like, "There's gonna be no more violence." And like, the <laughs> the neighbor tries to like goes for the gun, and she just like slams her head on the table. Like, like I feel like the movie is much better in moments like that, and not so great when it's just like this really strange choreographed fight in this like rec yeah. room when he's like slamming this dude against a like a pinball machine i was like this is kind of silly but, yeah like, so but, but yeah like the the hostage stuff and like yeah just like the the family dynamic is really interesting to me yeah so to set yeah to set a lot of that stuff up um so what happens is the ivy leakers eventually uh invade the house because the family has decided you know after torturing this man you know, we're not going to surrender him to the Ivy Leaguers. We're actually going to stand up and fight. Yeah. Um, so we get, like, a nice home invasion sort of jump, slash, jump scare slash action sequence. You know, sometimes people are wandering down dark hallways because the Ivy Leaguers have cut all the power of the house. So everything is in, taking place in darkness. Yeah. Um, and so we get scenes of, you know, the family wandering around the home trying to... Uh, find Ivy Leaguers who have invaded. Uh, we have scenes of full-on fight scenes between the family and the Ivy Leaguers. Ethan Hawke has a great scene where he's taken on a couple of them with, in like a, a room with a, a billiards table and a couple uh, pinball machines. Um, and then eventually it escalates to a point where, you know, Ethan Hawke he gets killed by the main Ivy Leaguer. Well, and... well hold on, hold on there. Um... <laughs> He wins the fight in the rec room. Like, he, like, has yeah. this really, like, triumphant, like, fight where he, like, basically beats everyone's ass. And, like, he is about to, like, walk out. And then the main guy turns a corner and stabs him. Yeah. And you get this moment where he's, like, slowly on the, like, he gets him onto the ground and everything. And they do the reveal of how big the blade is. And that moment always kind of, like, is a little weird to me. Because it's like, he gets stabbed with a really really big knife and i was just like this dude i feel like he would just be done like right then but then they kind of do the whole like oh he's still kind of fading he's still kind of here yeah. and like but i was just like no nah, like they i feel like that would have been a great moment to just like make a very definite statement like no nah, like this is the purge like he's done but yeah they kind of dragged <laughs> maybe it missed it, like certain organs or something i don't know <laughs> oh, the knife like they pull the knife out and it's like this like it's huge like, it's like a machete coming out of this guy's stomach um, but I was just going to yeah. say, like, I think the movie has a lot of grounded and realistic violence and realistic moments of blocking and lighting, except for this one scene in the rec room where he, like, he walks in with this shotgun that has, like, this handle on it. And I was just like, this feels yeah. like I'm watching Doom or something. Like, what is going on? Um, Doom is getting a lot of shout outs in this podcast. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I... I... I, I I enjoyed that fight scene uh, just because I liked seeing him wreck these people. 
But what totally. I didn't like was all of the uh, the more horror stuff that was happening uh, with the mom, where she's wandering down down dark hallways and yeah, like yeah. these fucking the purgers, the Ivy Leaguers, uh, they're all wearing Halloween masks and shit and. There's like a montage of like the son watching the security cameras before they enter the house and they're playing on swings and yeah, holding yeah. the pistols to their heads and stuff. And it just feels like a bunch of like cliche, like I'm acting creepy haunted house type stuff, which I really didn't like. And also, it. like if I was one of those people and I was desperate to murder someone, like these kids are stupid. Like they enter the house and a girl is like skipping around with machetes and like yeah, yeah. she's like riding she's uh her boyfriend's giving her like a piggyback ride in one scene yeah they're just like, like messing around yeah get your shit together like how badly do you want to kill this guy it doesn't seem like you really want to kill him um, yeah it, well it is, they do kind of have that moment where like earlier he's like outside and he's just like talking to him through the window and yeah. he's just he's like being really calm and very like subdued with it and then like the friend comes up and starts screaming and he just like caps him and so like i don't know there's like that they do mention like yeah there's different attitudes and i guess his, his team is kind of unorganized they're not quite a unit as much as i would like them to be but <laughs> even the lead the guy even the lead guy i think he's credited as polite leader yeah. But it's just like this guy's a fucking dweeb. Like, <laughs> yeah, when yeah. he when he gets what's coming to him, I was like, thank God. Like, so <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah, it's like a I, Richard I, Spencer type or something. I definitely appreciate <laughs> appreciate that most of his most of the movie is him like outside and kind of just like away and just like just his face. Like, any more would have been a little bit more intolerable because he's very grating. And I'm yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to see them go. But yeah, I just feel like it could have been a little bit more quieter with the way because I, I don't know this is a like a very like eerie movie like there's not a lot of music and it's, I, I appreciate how it, it sets it up very slowly and quietly and then it doesn't get too too over the top like it definitely could have gotten a lot crazier as the sequels <laughs> definitely do but like yeah it gets reasonably yeah, I'm, I'm, reasonably violent which is cool i'm curious to see those sequels um, take it to the streets of los angeles but yeah before that i want to still talk about this one um because yeah i like the um the way it ends is, yeah, he gets stabbed, they're about to be taken out, and then, I forget, um, yeah, the neighbors show up, yeah, the neighbors show up, and they take out the polite purgers, or the, the Ivy Leaguers, and so, there's this small moment where they're like, oh, thank you for showing up, like, we could all, like, go away happy, and then the neighbors are like, no, actually, like, we're going to kill you now because like you have been waving all of your money and wealth around us. And we like have been holding this resentment inside of us for, for however long. And so I actually kind of like that, like small little twist at the end where the neighbors show up and they're like, they think they're going to get saved, but they actually get kind of recaptured. Yeah. Um, and then like, so the mom decides, you know, we're just going to wait this out. Like, they, the the family ends up getting the upper hand uh, because the homeless man was still in the house, unknowns to the uh, still in the mansion. The... <laughs> yeah, because the uh, the neighborhood people didn't realize that. So yeah, I was gonna <laughs> mention like he shows up and like saves them, and then there's a moment where he's like, "Hey, okay, so do you want to purge them and and take them out for trying to yeah, kill you?" He and gives then... them the choice. Yeah, he gives them the choice, and then the mom is like, no, we're going to finish this night out without any violence. Which I thought, why wouldn't you fucking kill these people? <laughs> like, what do you think they're going to do next year? 
Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's the first thought I had when they when she kicks him out and she's like, now get the hell out of my house. I was, I was like, like, maybe, uh, yeah, I was like, maybe she has some sort of ulterior motive here. Like, I was thinking she was going to wait until the purge was technically over so that everyone would breathe a sigh of relief. And then she was just going to kill them all <laughs> because yeah. who's going to who's going to know, you know? That's, yeah, that's the thing. I wrote that down, too. I was just like, the moments like immediately before and after this 12-hour period are also really interesting because there's like there's got to be like some wiggle room you know, between like, hey, like it's 7.05. I'm still going to, you know, I'm still going to make this happen. Like, <laughs> also, when is, like, <laughs> when is the purge like fully cut off, cut off? So the family doesn't turn on their security system until like right before the purge starts. And it's like, the dad's been home for a few hours. Wouldn't you just turn it on like immediately? Like, what if something yeah. goes wrong with it? And you need to, like, address that problem. Um, yeah, and, well, they do, yeah, that's that's super true. And I I do appreciate the fact that he mentions when, like, the polite purgers show up and things kind of start to escalate and the wife just plainly asks, she's like, yeah, like, we'll be fine, right? And he's like, eh, maybe not, because these are actually more of just, like, a visual deterrent more than anything. <laughs> like, if they want to get in, they can just get in. And yeah. that's, like, my favorite, like, He says like, something like, it can't guard against worst-case scenarios, and it's yeah. like, well, this is, yeah. this shit happens every year. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what scenarios are you worried about? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, but yeah, I, th- I just think it's yeah kind of silly that they spent. There's like a ritual of like putting the blue flowers out on their like driveways or something to like recognize it or to yeah. say that they're because it's involved. a holiday. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know if that, is that like a hey skip my house or like I no. I think it. Yeah. I think at some point uh, it's commented on that like we saw the flowers in front of your house. We know that you're like honoring the holiday or something like that. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. It's like showing respect for the purge, even if you're not directly participating in purging. Yeah. Yeah, and I also feel like, yeah, the fact that they're in a gated community, maybe that's why he didn't, like, turn it on. He's just like, it's whatever, like, I'll be fine. Like, there's, in his in his mind, is impossible that anything would ever happen, and so maybe that's why I just didn't, <laughs> didn't jump on it. Um, so, yeah, we need to talk about the politics of this movie, because um, there's just... A lot of shit going on here. Uh, so the first is, like I said, 1% unemployment. Um, this movie is about Ivy Leaguers, wealthy kids, going into a gated community to attack a homeless man. Um, so this is like a class warfare movie. Like yeah. an aggressively warfare. Not like warfare in the sense of like cutting you know, education and transportation costs. Like guns out warfare uh, yeah. so is this movie because it seems to believe that we are an inherently violent species is this movie positing that the only thing holding the rich back from terrorizing the poor even in a more you know obvious violently aggressive uh, manner is the fear of you know being prosecuted yeah, I think that is what it what it's trying to say, like straight up. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's also kind of saying if there was a system like this in process, it would just lead to uh, a genocide of the lower class, and then everything would be fine. <laughs> yeah, and then like the, like it's just like the rich will get richer, and the poor will eventually just be eliminated. Not exist. But then it's yeah. like, but who builds the wealth for the rich? 
I, like, in, this, I, in this universe, though, I guess that's not a question. It's just like they have all this inherent wealth. They're just yeah. making money it's off like of you can't You can't pick it apart because it's like, obviously, you know, just imagine what this would do to productivity. <laughs> like, yeah. every year you're, you're like, well, my manager's dead. <laughs> uh, or half our staff is dead um yeah i just kept thinking of like what happens if like people like purge like you know the police stations or like the firehouses and then you don't have that true. response for the next day and then your infra- like you say your infrastructure just starts to crumble yeah and like it says certain politicians can't be killed at the beginning which i guess they're just tr- trying to avoid that issue on a international scale but. yeah that's i think that's also kind of brought up in later ones because they could talk about more like the setup of it on the political side but yeah for here it's straight up yeah the one percent unemployment yeah hints at yeah the lower class support just going to be gone and then it's just going to be yeah like the wealthy kind of just stocking up in these castles <laughs> and just defending against each other throughout the year yeah so on one hand, it's like, I've heard that this movie, these movies are like kind of woke, quote unquote woke, mm-hmm. because it's like, it's their movies about class war. But it's also their movies that I think, I like, do we think that the writer director, James uh, Dimonaco, uh, do we think that he believes people are inherently violent? Like, do you I believe would, that? Uh, do do you think say... he believes that? Yeah, I I want to say yes because is like political and heady and I don't know theoretical as this concept can get it still becomes just like an avenue for like would you shoot your neighbor or not or like would you shoot this person or not so like it it is the violence kind of boils down to like some really primitive basic things and so yeah I think that's the story he's interested in telling and it seems like yeah it's inherent in that these this one night is just like the okay to let it all out so like so if that's the case then i feel like these aren't very woke movies like because it's basically saying the only thing preventing people from devolving into violence is the law and where it's like you know lord of the flies these these boys land on an island and they end up you know these power structures uh, develop and they end up sort of like brutalizing each other. Meanwhile, there's like I think there was actually like a case of a bunch of boys like landing on an island and they cooperated and they took care of each other and yeah. they survived uh, for a good enough time that they were you know rescued. Um, so like I think that the belief that we're inherently violent and that you know I, I don't think that the writer and director believes that the purge is a good idea. But um, this this idea that I, I think if you believe that people are inherently violent, then you believe that society needs to be structured around that. And that gets into ideas of how to control a population. Uh, and that's not uh, very, like, progressive. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I would definitely agree with you because at the end they they say that it's a success and that it's the most successful one yet and so yeah, yeah i think it, that's what it is suggesting of that like yeah this is the only type of answer to this like instinctive problem yeah this human problem not yeah. just an american problem uh even though this this thing was created in the united states and 
as far as I know, it's the purge is an American phenomenon, not, yes, not a phenomenon and it, elsewhere. Yeah, and they double down on that as the series continues. It be, like the I was looking at the posters and they're like the tagline for the sequel for this one purge anarchy is like this is an american tradition and yeah. like that's like yeah they definitely like double double down on that which is kind yeah. of in a more actiony type of way and so that's why i definitely appreciate the i don't know just the intimacy of this movie it is like it is messy not perfect but i do appreciate the fact that it is about like the guy that sells the systems and like his perfect like little family just being broken apart by this night systematically yeah yeah because the other ones are more like all right we're just gonna be in a whole city in a whole night and it's definitely more like the warriors and, and less like huh. less like panic room which is this is like a more twisted version of that yeah because part of me is wondering like how would i mean because you have to put yourself in those shoes and it's like okay well, what would you do if the purge became a thing and i mean we live i live in a city uh i live in an apartment (laughs) i don't have a fortress uh i like to think i would probably try and make allies with the uh people in my building and get everyone armed and ready just in case anything happened but yeah so so like maybe maybe camaraderie can come out of something like this um where people are protecting each other and working together and oh definitely yeah definitely that territory gets explored and okay yeah yeah i I feel like that's the next logical step is like if we're showing how the rich just retreat to their homes and allow the violence to be inflicted upon the poor then we need to see how the poor comes together to uh you know consolidate resources i guess absolutely yeah yeah and yeah, you're definitely describing the, like the <laughs> the plot of the, like the second movie. All right, then. <laughs> and the next one is Purge Anarchy. Yeah, so there's four. This this is the first one, then the Purge Anarchy is the second. The third one is the Purge Election Year, and then okay. you get a prequel called the First Purge. Okay. Cool. Yeah, which I saw last year, and I don't remember, so I don't know if that's a, a good thing. I heard the first. Pur- <laughs> I think I heard the first Purge was a pretty good one, um, but yeah. I heard that from literally one source. So. <laughs> as far as I remember, it was pretty dope. Um, but now that I've like I've been thinking about all four, they're like getting kind of blended in my mind. And so, have, have you checked out the show at all? No, not yet. Okay, so yeah, we'll have to. No, I've been yeah, I've been watching Lovecraft Country. Okay, yeah. So let's get into that. Uh, we'll get into the what have you been watching lately portion of the show. Totally. Uh, so have you you watched the first two episodes? I've only seen the first episode. Yeah, I watched the first episode, and I was really trying to watch it again before last night's episode, but I didn't get to make that happen. So I'm going to watch both again right after this, and this Mm. basketball game is over. All right, so what are your thoughts on Lovecraft Country? I've uh, only seen the first one, so don't spoil the second one. (laughs) I I think the first episode, like, it starts off slow, but I, I think it's a fucking really special piece of television because like i'm really fascinated by sundown towns and like blending history with science fiction and so it hits a lot of marks for me where it's like a very uh sincere and true like black story spliced with just some crazy otherworldly shit and yeah i i don't know much about the novel but yeah going into the series blind was was really 
really fun. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was a book until I started reading about the show. Yeah, and I'm curious about that novel, but yeah, it was, I had a lot of fun watching it, and the second episode, like, was very confusing, and so, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to just watch more, absorb it more, and hang out with those people, because I love the cast a lot, and just the atmosphere is a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, having only seen the first episode, I'm pretty interested to see where it goes. Uh, I feel like, yeah, it was kind of slow in the beginning. There's like a lot of uh, exposition, um, but and it kind of develops into. I feel like the f- sort of finale of the first episode, it almost felt like an episode of Ash versus Evil Dead or something like that. It's it's very just yeah. kind of. All in, my, in on being a genre piece, you know. Yeah, in my blog post, I mentioned Stranger Things because I was just like, this feels oh, like okay. a, a, a slightly more like adult, like like grittier version of that. Where like instead of dealing with puberty, they're dealing with like people hmm. chasing you out of a county because of this color of your skin. And so yeah, like, yeah, it's like yeah, that slow that slow chase scene. I like I was mes- mesmerized by that. I thought it was fucking fantastic. Yeah, I'm interested to see how like because I feel like the the racial aspect of the show is so weighty uh and the horror aspect of the show the the more like creature feature horror aspect of the show is kind of more fun (laughs) and so the way these things collide with each other i'm interested to see how it plays out it almost feels like the weightiness of the the topics uh demand more seriousness but yeah, I, I just want to see more and see. How I absolutely, yeah, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah, because there's a lot of um, pieces of work that kind of get into territory like that. Like Get Out kind of does that. Um, fuck, even as much as I hate to say it, Django kind of does that, where it's like you're like getting into some really sketchy territory for like mining jokes, but like yeah. sometimes like it's like <laughs> these really really painful things just lead to like just absurd moments of and so yeah and. In love in Lovecraft Country, like yeah, there's some moments that are just like comedy, straight up sci-fi, and like tonally, it's a, a shift from some actual gritting, searing, like fucking racism happening. So yeah, the tone is interesting. So it'd be cool to kind of see it's how nice it to balances see, that. Yeah, it's nice to see a high budget like black genre show, like aggressively genre show. It's not just like a drama or you know, a crime or a thriller or something like that. It's like fucking horror sci-fi. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to keep watching. So. Uh, what else have you been watching? Um, this show called close enough on HBO max. I don't know if I've heard of that one. It's Is by that the British guy? Did, no, it's by the guy okay. who did the regular show. JG uh, Quintel. Huh? Yeah, what is the show? It's like uh, it's a sitcom about like a young couple and their really young daughter, and it's just like a little like insane fifteen minute comedy thing where like they do the two part episodes. It'll be like a fifteen minute story and a fifteen minute story, and so it's just these little small nuggets of just absurdity. It's I think it's really nicely animated. The comedy is really really good. There's like some jokes that are, <laughs> I was listening to. One of the characters is like an older like teacher, and he's just like a, a kind of a sadder character. And his lines, I was just like, "Oh wait, he's like actually like really depressed," and he was like just making me crack up because just the realism was cutting very close. Hmm. But yeah, that's on uh, HBO Max. I recommend that if you need like a, a cartoon to kind of 
deviate from whatever else you might be watching. Yeah. We just finished uh, the first season of Fargo. That was really Okay. Good. Have you watched Fargo at all? Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. I didn't love it. I It was hyped up a did lot. You, did you finish the first season? Yeah, I finished the first season, but I just, honest, I just wasn't crazy about it because I love, love, love the movie, and I just thought that yeah. like, the show was just trying to do a lot of Cohen things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely felt like it was playing around with because it, it, Billy Bob Thornton's character is basically kind of a riff on Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. Uh, and there's also At- even a scene where, like, Colin Hanks is lying in bed, and he goes... He's, like, getting ready to fall asleep, but he can't fall asleep. And he says something like, Okay. And then he wanders out of bed, and which is yeah. exactly from No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's playing around with, like... It's grabbing a lot of pieces from Coen Brothers stuff, uh, not just Fargo, but I mean, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I think it like builds tension just as well as something like Breaking Bad does at some points. For sure, I might have to revisit it. I I don't know. I think I was just kind of turned off by yeah. It just felt like all right, we're gonna make a Coen Brothers TV show and just kind of draw from different movies, which I, I just wasn't too into that. I did appreciate the aesthetic of it. Um, the second season is like crazy. And then like, I was watching the first couple episodes of that and I was like, okay, this is like more in my, in my ballpark a little bit, but I didn't finish it. Cause I just okay. was kind of, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say season two is better. Um, which I, which I was already impressed with season one. So I'm totally on board to check that out. Yeah. That's, that's like, I'm in a weird position because like season one, I wasn't crazy about, but the beginning of season two was something that like struck me immediately. And I was like, yo, this is like, this is really, really, really cool. But I just never followed up on it. Cause there was, I don't know. There's a lot of TV out during that time, I guess. I think, uh, I but, took, uh, I took the season one, uh, as like, I'm a big twins, twin peaks fan. Mm-hmm. And did you ever watch twin peaks? I did. How much of twin peaks did you watch? Um, like, until midway through season two? Okay, yeah, little, well, midway through bigger. season two, it takes a dive in quality. Uh, yeah, like I it, barely remember. Yeah, it gets so bad that you forget it was ever good. But, um... <laughs> but... It was also, like, I, I wasn't really prepared fully. Like, I was familiar with, um, it's, it's David Lynch, right? Yeah. I, I was like, I'm familiar with David Lynch's work, but I just wasn't quite prepared for what that tv show was and so yeah. i would like watch like three episodes in a night and i'd be like just in a daze i just like, i wouldn't know what <laughs> what had happened yeah and it's like i don't know the whole vibe of that show like it's playing with uh soap opera tropes and stuff like that yeah and, but then it's also weird david lynch shit but uh um, yeah yeah i think just being able to enjoy the small town aspects of that and how small town folk are characterized um, totally i think that kind of my appreciation that kind of translated over to fargo too where it's like i just kind of want to watch these you know small town people who are uh too nice for their own good to kind of interact with each other there's something i don't know it's just something pleasing about that and then just getting a nice crime thriller in the mix of it is you know bonus yeah i actually just read the story bible for fargo just like the breakdown of like the bare bones of it and it made me kind of curious to go back and rewatch it because they definitely 
pitch it in the most like charming way possible. Hmm. And there's season three is coming out with Chris Rock, and that looks really, really good. Yeah, I, I thought it was already out. Shit. Uh, it might be. Uh, it's okay. possible. But yeah, that's that's basically a, a lot of cartoons on my end because I'm big on the animation. Um, I also watched uh, Birds of Prey, which was boring, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> like I thought, I I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it when it was in theaters. Uh, I thought. I remember reading about the director, and I think she had like one smaller movie that was at Sundance, and then she went to do a pitch for birds of prey and she like shot her own oh wait are you there yeah okay i thought i lost you for a second um she went to do a pitch for birds of prey and so she a lot of times directors will like cut together some sort of like sizzle reel to communicate like the vibe that they want to go for with it um what she did was she like went out and actually shot her own footage to cut together to sell them on like what she wanted to do with the movie and they were on board and so like hearing that whole like backstory of how this movie got made i was like really curious to know what it was going to be uh nice. because it's like such a like a small indie director um yeah. and then it was just kind of boring like the action scenes uh there's like a chase scene early on in the movie that feels like it just doesn't have really any any energy to it um and there's a voiceover and i feel like the voiceover is sort of helping the scene become more dynamic you know you're watching this chase but you're also hearing the voiceover and there's a little bit of humor there but yeah i'm not crazy about voiceovers (laughs) it's just it just felt boring and by the time like it does the normal superhero thing where like act three is pretty much all action uh but by the time Mm -hmm. you get there i was just like i don't really care anymore um totally yeah it i don't know some of these dc ones just don't really spark me that much like I still haven't seen a lot of what they have in their library. Like, after Endgame, I was just kind of just... I physically just, like, told myself, like, I need to not watch any yeah. superhero movies because I just went all out. I mean, did you see... So you didn't watch Spider-Man Homecoming after that? Or uh, not, not Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. Far From wait, Home? Far From Home, yeah. Yeah, I watched that. That was more of a quarantine watch because I had just moved back home and I was scrolling through hbo and i was like you know what i'll sit down with far from home it actually was the first thing i started blogging when i got that oh yeah back up and going yeah that movie really bothered me because yeah i did not like it <laughs> yeah it's just it's weird because like i love spider-man but that's just like not a good spider-man movie it just it felt just, like like a paint by numbers sort of thing yeah it's just like road trip <laughs> going to place to place like yeah not a lot not a lot of fun things in that movie it just it's like I should yeah. never if I if the thought why am I watching this ever occurs to me while watching a movie then that's like a huge thumb down and I yeah, I good. saw that movie in theaters and I was like what am I doing like why am I damn here? Uh, yeah you ready you gotta be ready for that next phase and I'm like I'm not like I'm not ready and so I'll just I'll catch them when I catch them but yeah that one was trippy uh, have you played the game oh yeah the Spider Man game's great yeah I bought a I, PS4 for that game. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I recently got a platinum trophy on that because I yeah, was like, I yeah, that... like I'd rather just swing around and beat people up. So. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> I, yeah, I hundred percent of that too. Um... Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode three. Vague zone. Vague zone. Not vague town. Not vague town. Vague zone. <laughs> yeah.
I've been one of your hosts, Thomas. Thanks for listening. Uh, I don't know what we're watching next, but we'll be back with oh, another yeah. movie. <laughs> um, well, I think... so. I, okay, so I think the structure of the show is going to be... You pick one, we watch a purge. <laughs> then I pick one, <laughs> then we watch a purge. And we'll just kind of right. go back and forth. So the purge will carry us along, but, you know, for diversity's sake, we'll throw other things in there, too. Um, cool, cool. So next week, I'm, I'm going to have you watch something. I'm trying to decide if it's... If we just do Battle Royale, because it's been coming up so much, <laughs> or if we watch this other movie that I've been meaning to have you watch called deadly games or have you heard of this movie called deadly games i haven't heard of it uh it also goes by like three other titles uh <laughs> so it's deadly games it's i think it's called the game over it's called dial code santa claus i think is one of them oh goodness. Um, <laughs> but what this movie is i, th- I want to say it's from like 1989 or something like that um it's home alone before home alone it is a home invasion movie so still appropriate um christmas themed and it is an actual like horror thriller it's not like a goofy home alone style movie like this is a a boy setting traps for uh an invader but it is played serious it is is played straight and it is fucking (laughs) like yeah I, i yeah I think we should just watch it. We so, both so, seen yeah, Battle so, Royale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I want to I wanna show you something. So yeah, let's watch Dial Code Santa I'm... Claus, a.k.a. Game Over, a.k.a. Deadly Games. Alright, I'm down for that. Alright. So, ne- until next time, folks. Alright. Take it easy. <laughs> until, next, until next time, see ya. See ya.